Hello, what's going on guys? I'm John Hasselbauer, golf writer for thelines.com. This is from the tips and it is Mexico Open at Viranto Week. Um, an interesting tournament, definitely not the most anticipated tournament of the year. Um, and a bit of a hangover week for many of the best golfers in the world who have decided to skip after a eventful uh, signature event at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera last week. Um, nonetheless, we power through. There's a lot of edge to be had in weeks like these where some people kind of take the week off. There's not as many sharps betting it. There's not, not as many sharps playing DFS. Um, opens up the, the playing field for diehards like us to still dive in, find the edge, and uh, hopefully cash a ticket because the odds pay out the same this week versus last week. So we're still trying to find a winner. Uh, last week, quick recap of Genesis Invitational. Um, bet Hideki Matsuyama, but in the top Asian market. So did not hit the outright. Uh, a little bit frustrating because I've been on Hideki at least once this year. I know I bet him at, um, I want to say the Farmers. He was definitely a spotlight play for me this year um, already. So was a little bit too early on Hideki, but that's kind of his game, right? He he, he sneaks up on you and you, you think he's out of it. And then all of a sudden he reminds us that he's still one of the premier ball strikers of all time. Um, some of the darts he was throwing into the greens down the stretch, you could tell, oh no, Hideki's unconscious. He's not going to let this go. He's kind of superhuman at times when he gets into his own. And it's, it's so funny because that's how he won the Sony Open that way. He won the Masters that way as well. Just coming out of nowhere. And then once he's in his own, you can't, you can't get in the way of Hideki Matsuyama. So that's always the value of betting Hideki. If he slips too far in that 75 to one, I think was probably the best number you could get on him. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I didn't think this was going to be a week at Genesis where, we got another random triple digit winner. And although Hideki was another long, I guess we would still consider that a long shot. Um, Hideki winning the Genesis where we have so much correlation with the masters is by no means a surprise or something that uh, people wouldn't have seen coming. Um, that said, he was not a very popular bet. I think consensus odds are probably closer, like 60 to one. Um, I personally didn't uh, extend my card beyond 55 with, with Wyndham Clark. Did not have much of an outright, outright sweat to show for it, unfortunately, but was a good prop week with Hideki Top Asian Market and um, Ludwig kind of winning by default over Jordan Spieth in a, in a matchup, but we will take it uh, and move on to the Mexico Open. Um, before we go any further into Mexico Open, make sure you are subscribed to the Lions YouTube channel here. Ring the bell notifications for all the latest alerts for when my videos come up, when everybody else at the Lions videos come up as well. Uh, and join the Discord because uh, this video will be coming out on Tuesday uh, morning, probably. And uh, if you are in the Discord, you will get notified as soon as I place my bets. So if you are looking to tail anything that I'm, I'm betting or just looking for a general discourse on where the value is on Monday mornings. That is the best place I can recommend to go. It's free. It's always free. And there's a clear path. Uh, just click this little icon on the, on the lines homepage and it will take you straight to the discord. Um, okay, cool. Let's talk Mexico open. Um, a very interesting tournament. It has been won by the favorite or the second favorite in each of the first two years. Uh, John Rahm won the inaugural Mexico Open in 2022. Tony Finau won last year. Uh, last year, it was John Rahm who was the prohibitive favorite. He came back um, after, as the week before Quail Hollow last year. 
and all of the best players in the world uh, skipped this event. John Rahm said, you know, Spanish heritage. I want to be in a Spanish speaking country and continue to do what Sevy did and, and go to these courses that, um, you know, some of the other American based players are overlooking, but it's important to me to play where the Spanish speaking, um, fans are. Um, gotta tip your hat to him for that. And, uh, so he showed up. He was the odds on favorite about three to one after winning, um, this event in 2022. And he played fine. He played probably maybe as bad as he could have played and he still finished second. Um, so interesting that the first two winners of this event have been single digit odds. Um, I, I think there's something to that actually. I think Vedanta Vallarta and, and you can read through this in full in my article here, but, um, just to kind of cliff notes it and, and we'll spend more time on, on dissecting the players in the field itself. Um, but Vedanta Vallarta is par 71 over 7,400 yards. It's pretty long. Um, and a lot of the par fours have length to them. And when you add length, it's kind of this premium skill set of approach from over 175 yards out. That's where your best players are great at when they're precise, um, with long irons. And then scrambling is less of a premium here, but, um, you know, it's still fairly important at a course like this. And if you look at the scoring averages over the first two years, um, 10 of the 18 holes actually had a scoring average over par. So it's a little bit of an outlier when you look at the, um, resort courses, I guess we would say. Um, if, if you bucket everything into like a, an island resort course, um, it's not as easy as, as some of the other ones. Um, even something like a, um, Diamante Cardinal. Um, where the Mayakoba or not Mayakoba, the worldwide, uh, technologies championship was, uh, at the end of last year that Eric Van Royen won. That was a much more straightforward, not, not, um, bombers paradise and really just anybody could win. And you had Matt Kuchar versus Eric Van Royen versus Camilo and it was total randomness. Um, not the case here at all over the first two years. It's been all bombers and we, we talk about bombers paradise a lot. Uh, when we're modeling, even when we talked about Tory Pines, it was, you know, just bomb away. And, um, you don't want to guys, you want, you don't want guys who are giving up, uh, distance to the field. They're going to get lapped. Um, you know, that's not that even that's not entirely true at Tory Pines. You get guys like a, a Brent Snedeker, um, who come in there and win because they're so good getting up and down. And if, if guys are hitting from the rough, they're going to miss the fair, the greens and regulation in a much higher percentage. It becomes more of a scrambling contest. You don't need length um, to win a scrambling contest. Here, it's very distinct the skill sets you need. You should be above average in driving distance, and you have to be elite on approach from over 175, particularly over 200 yards. Um, if you look through the list, and we will look at strokes game patterns um, after we go through the players uh, in the field, but you'll see a very clear trend of you have to gain in your ball striking. When you're gaining off the tee, it's through distance. Um, and you probably have to make a bunch of putts here. So, you know, whenever we get to pass palm, you kind of tend to make more putts for whatever the case may be. Maybe it's flatter greens, slower greens, whatever it is, no grain. Um, more putts tend to fall. And there's guys who are not great long-term putters who tend to figure it out on pass palm. Tony Fino is a good example of that. So let's use that as a nice segue to talk about the board. Um, as always, you can find the betting board at the bottom of my article here where you can interchange um every single stat you could think of if you want to look at first round leaders you can do that here too i'm always going back to this article 
after a post on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, just checking against this for every every market that I want to bet to make sure I'm getting the best odds. Um, I place my outrights on Monday, but I usually place my placement bets on Tuesday or Wednesday. So um, always handy to have this, not just for outrights, but for all props. Uh, and when we look at the landscape, um, start to see, you know, later in the day, I, I'm recording here on Monday, we start to fall at consensus odds where um, prices are adjusting. But no surprise, Tony Finau is your favorite at around seven or seven and a half to one. He uh, is the reigning champion one here last year. I had a bet on him two years ago. He could not have putted worse the first two days of the tournament, and he could not have putted any better the last two days of the tournament. So whatever his final strokes gain number came to, didn't really tell the full story. Um, but ball striking T degree and wise, he's torn this place apart the first two years. Um, makes sense. He's he won at Puerto Rico. Um, plays well in coastal conditions. You know, he won at Liberty National as well for the Northern Trust. So something about these like open, linksy, windy courses, even like open championships, Tony Fino has a pretty good uh, track record. And so it makes sense for him to be uh, the favorite this week. Nobody would uh, contest that. I would not hand the trophy to him. I think he could have looked much better at, at Riviera than he did over the weekend. He had a, a pretty hot start, but he kind of leveled out um, to Tony Finau standards, I think. Um for the rest of the way, I think he finished T19. So um, not exactly a world beater and not the type of player that I want to bet at single digit odds, um, but an understandable favorite. Absolutely. Um, Will Zalatoris was supposed to be in this event. He withdrew after um, a great finish at Riviera. He seems to have the FedEx Cup points that he needs to qualify for the next signature event. So he is now... Uh, no longer in this just for the points. So no Zalatoris that kind of shortens Finau's odds and kind of levels out the odds here. We would, we would have gotten much better odds on on this next tier if Zalatoris was in the field. So that's too bad. It would have been nice if he withdrew Monday afternoon or something so we could take advantage of some value. But alas, it is Nikolai Hoygaard who is number two. He looked great at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open, and he's had a couple top 30s since then, so he looks to be in pretty good form. He's a bomber, suits this course very well. Grio is the best Spanish-speaking player in the field this week. Say what you will about the state of Spanish golf and the, all of them going to live uh, in the last year. Uh, he's kind of the best left of that group, so that might by default mean that he's the hometown favorite. Um, not a lot of other Spanish-speaking players in this field, so maybe maybe that's a narrative for Grio. Uh, the ball striking has been great. The uh, putting is turning around. His around the green games are numbers are very concerning. Um, and I am waiting, uh, scrambling a little bit higher this week than I think most people probably will at a resort course. I know it's not challenging around the greens, but you have to get up and down. You're not going to hit all these greens at 100%. So I do still think scrambling is important. Um, probably a reason for me to fade Grio at the top as the third favorite. That's a little crazy, but just goes to show you. Uh, how few uh, contenders are in this field. After that, an interesting mix and really hard for me to make a decision in this 30 to 1 range, but you've got Jaeger, Pendrith, Dietrich, Mitchell, Thorbjorn Olsen coming off a win on the DP World Tour, Patrick Rogers, who's played well here twice uh, each of the first two years, Ryan Fox, who I love, Kiwi, um, on a very suitable course for him. Davis Thompson's number has come down quite a bit. And Eric Van Ruyen, I think you would put in this second tier where it's all guys who are not proven winners whatsoever. 
Um, even if you look at, at all of these players, I'm trying to find after Grio, have any of these guys won on the PGA tour? I mean, Van Royen did in Mexico. Um, not Fox, not Rogers, not Allison. Mitchell, it's been a long time. I believe 2018 at the Honda was the last time we saw Mitchell win. Dietrich has not. Pendrith has not. Jaeger has not. So it's a bunch of guys who are chasing their first PGA Tour win. Um, it definitely, definitely feels like an opposite field event this week. Tony Finau, again, class of his own. Hoygaard, you can at least give him a little President's Cup pedigree to make him stand out a little bit as a talent in this field. But after that, it's... I'm sorry, Ryder Cup for Hoygaard, President's Cup for Pendrith. Um, yeah, th- there's not a lot of um, elite winners in this field this week. So it's an uncomfortable week to bet for sure. But uh, there's always value to find and and we'll get there with the strokes game. So um, switching over, going to go uh, into bet the number here to show a couple things. One, um, you know, I announced on, on Monday that I do have a partnership with Bet the Number. Um, so I'll continue to tweet out all the things that I love about Bet the Number, why I switched over there, things I use the tool for, how that factors into my research, my player pool, my model. Um, you know, I'll touch on that in these videos, absolutely, but I'll, I'll definitely look forward to expanding that on, on Twitter. Hopefully, um, more people will join on board uh, and give their feedback as well so we can make this product still new. Um, but help make it the, the best it can be and stand it up um, to you know continue to be a great basis of research. That's why I started using it. Um, what I love about this tool, first and foremost, is the course breakdown. So you can get a bird's eye view uh, compared to tour average. Is this harder or easier in all of these categories? I won't go through all of them, but um, just a very handy bird's eye to say, uh, all right, they're going to hit the fairways more often than not, um, they're very generous fairways. We know that. Um, and it's actually a little bit on average as far as scoring for par threes and par fours. And then you get a little bit of a break on the par fives that, uh, that passes the air, the eye test, um, for what the scoreboard has looked like here, but it's not a pure birdie fest. If it was, you would see scoring under four on the par four. You see it under three on the par threes. Um, so there is uh, a bit of a test to this this course. And even though some of the best players have come in and played good golf and shot 20 under to win, um, I could very easily see the, a winning score being like 18, 17, 16 under par, uh, especially if the wind picks up here, which it is supposed to. It's very coastal in Puerto Vallarta, um, right on the coastline there. So it's very susceptible to wind. Um, if we look at, um, uh, you know, another thing that I love about this tool, um, you can look at 2023 and 2022. What did the top five finishers do? Uh, what was the most important per round? Um, and this only has two, um, two years of winners, but if you just wanted to see what was it, what did it take to win? Um, you know, Fino dominated in all facets. Um, John Rahm was a little less dominant on approach, but, um, you know, that was a more balanced leaderboard that year. Um, if you look at the top five finishers, it's all a lot of putting, not a lot of around the green, um, and really approach separating players. I think that that makes sense here. When you look at strokes gained off the tee, if the fairways are generous and everybody's hitting um, the fairways, um, harder to gain accuracy-wise, less of a premium on hitting it long and straight. Premium is really just hitting it long, um, and everybody's going to be generally in the fairway here. So um, 
want the players to be long. If you look at uh, the list here, Fido, Rom, Wu, and, and Akshay are all above average off the tee. Cole, not so much, but uh, you can see he kind of did it all with the putter. Um, the following year was Rom, Finau, Kitayama, Wu. So Brandon Wu, top fives here, two years in a row. That's pretty interesting. Davis Riley has fallen off the face of the earth since then. That's also interesting. Um, but he didn't really ball strike his, his way around here at all. It was all putting. So always something to look for if you were a top five finisher, but it was all putting. Um, I like to have that view here. So I know, okay, it was a top five, but he had every putt. I'm not sure how much I really want to weigh that in. Um, and then the last thing that I really love about this course research tool is this Bomber's Paradise widget. Um, so some courses like Pebble Beach a couple, couple weeks ago, that, that would be like a one or two out of 10, um, because it's so many layups. This is telling you, um, if you hit driver and you're 20 yards longer than the field on average, you can gain, uh, over two and a half, two, 2.3 strokes per round. Uh, just off the tee alone because you're getting such an advantage from being longer than the rest of the field. So everybody says this is a bomber's paradise. We kind of subjectively know that, but it's interesting when you have the data here to support uh, how often there's an advantage to hitting the driver. Um, and that's 13 holes. Um, and four of them are four, four of the 18 holes are part three. So there's only one hole on this whole course where it's not advantageous to hit driver off the tee. So that's rare. Uh, just really goes to show how important it is um, to have long hitters this week. And then uh, Data Golf has a similar tool to this, but I like that it's all in one place here. Um, and this knocks it down to uh, per player, per round, how many approach shots uh, are they hitting from each bucket? And how many of those approach shots are coming from the fairway versus rough versus other? So this gives a really good visual of like, are guys missing the fairway a lot? If they are, how long do they have in? Um, and, and again, it just really visualizes that over six shots each round are coming in this 176 to 225 range. That's a lot. Um, that's a six plus four. This is 10 to 11 uh, holes. You're going to have an approach shot of over 175. And so really crucial for players to be great with their long irons. We have some weeks where it's a wedge fest and 125 and in are important this week. It's so drastic um, and skewed to the long irons that I really need to like filter out guys who are not good um, with their long irons. It's going to really hurt them this, this week. If you're somebody who's like average off the tee, but you're great with your long irons, that's still a player that I would be interested in. Um, okay. So lastly, we'll just go into the custom model itself. So you can kind of see how I prioritize the, the stats this week. I started as always with comp course history, followed by approach, uh, prioritizing approach from 200 plus, um, and a lesser, uh, emphasis on 175 to 200. Um, and then we've got driving distance in here, par five scoring, putting it off the tee on a smaller extent. I have both birdies or better percentage and bogey avoidance because on the easy holes, I want to see guys getting aggressive. But there are a lot of harder holes where you still need to be able to scramble. So um, not always that I will put both, but I think that this course has a, a pretty balanced mix of both. Um, I got recent form right in the middle here, par four scoring, you know, kind of self-explanatory, but that that really serves as more of a recent form stat. Um, and then I just have course history here for a reference point. Um, and as always, what I really like about Beth the Numbers is that I can just see real quickly as I go through each name. 
what have they been up to lately? Are they coming off a good result? Um, green is good. Red is bad. Have they played this course before? Did they play it well? You can see that I know this is Tony Finau. He's finished first and second. Um, you know, coming off a T19 and T47 is not what you love to see out of the seven to one favorite. Um, so I just love that I can visualize that all in one place here. Um, as we get into the model itself and what it spit out, uh, Taylor Pendrith is a guy I love this week. I have cashed top 20s on Taylor Pendrith twice this year, and I'll probably try to go back to that again. Um, he kind of just has his course fits, uh, where if he's played well there in the past, he, he tends to repeat it. Really long hitters, you can see, uh, eighth in driving distance. Um, good and birdies are better gain, really good recent form. Um, as you can see with the T9 there, I, I believe, um, before that, or we can even just go to his player page. Um, I know he finished well at Sony. Yeah, top 10. So he's got, uh, 3rd, 15th, 8th, 10th, and 9th over his last 7 starts. Really underrated player. A bomber who actually plays well on shorter courses too. Um, couple cuts in there, but those are not um, ideal course fits for him, I wouldn't say. I, I like him on coastal, windy, uh, bomber-heavy, like driver-heavy courses. So that's definitely what uh, Mexico was. That's definitely what Port Royal at Bermuda is. Um, that's definitely Tory Pines and that's Sony open. So when he's on the coast and he can hit driver a lot, that's where he's most dangerous. Um, he's had a couple weeks off, so I, I think he's going to come in fresh. I expect him, um, to be in the mix. He has a lot of overlap in, uh, events that Tony Fino does well in randomly. Um, they were in the final pairing together at the rocket mortgage two years ago. And, uh, and I just like Taylor Pendrith. I don't know if this is, this is his time. Um, he's been knocking on the door for a while. He's a top 10 merchant. Um, but it's a really good fit, a really ideal fit. And, and I got him at, uh, 35 to one. And that number keeps going down, which is encouraging, uh, for me to see. The rest of that top 10 is going to feature EVR, who has won in Mexico, Steven Yeager, who just looked good, um, uh, at the farmers. Tony Finau, your defending champ is number four in this model. Garrett Hago, interesting. Um, you know, the, the putting and the driving distance and the par five scoring really carrying that. Um, he's definitely a, a good discount value. You can also see his outright and, uh, DK salary here if you're interested in taking a long shot this week. Um, then we've got Davis Thompson, who I love this week. Couldn't get there on an outright, but, uh, possibly a placement or a DFS play. Thomas Dietrich, number seven, Mark Hubbard, SH Kim and, uh, Michael Kim. Uh, round out the top 10 here. So a lot of uh, emphasis on driving distance, but um, for the most part, I think a lot of these guys are good at par five scoring and approach on uh, long range. Um, I'm always going to side with good recent form in approach when I'm trying to put a player pool together and there's not a ton of talent in this field. So um, as you can see, when I filter by my outright bets, uh, it's another tight card for me, not a lot of um, firm stances on outrights, uh, whenever we get to these like lesser fields, similar to, uh, opposite field situation. Um, the talent pool just really drops off after you get to like 50 to one, uh, 101 outright this week is not the same talent or likelihood to win as 101 last week, uh, where Hideki Matsuyama was very close to that. Um, you know, Hideki Matsuyama was 75 ish to one last week. And this week you're seeing Carson Young consensus odds around the same number. So obviously the talent, um, is not the same. I chose to, um, 
go a little bit more concentrated with my outright card. That was a strategy that worked in the opposite field events for me last year. I hit three of the four opposite events um, with outright. So I'm going to apply that same strategy here. We already talked about Pendrith. Um, Nikolai Hoygaard is the second favorite off the board. Uh, getting him at like 18, 19 to one is where I saw him on Monday morning. That was a quick bet for me. Um, just looked really good at the farmers finished runner up to Pavone. Um, and just a talented guy who, who knows how to win. He wins on the DP world tour and easier scoring conditions. Um, he, he was a runner up at Corrales last year. So he just seems to play well on long and, and windy courses. Keith Mitchell and Carson Young, both. Really good uh, approach from 200 plus. You see, they're both in the top 20. Um, Mitchell, definitely a longer hitter. And uh, Carson Young, definitely a long shot. So um, interesting pairing between these two guys. But um, Mitchell just seems like he's kind of trending in the right direction. You can see he's got a, two top 20s over his last four starts. Uh, look good at the Amex. The, the putter is what I've kind of been waiting to see Mitchell pick it up with. Um, cause that's kind of where he's, he's managed to gain on fields with his driving and with his putting. Um, but the approach numbers are actually trending pretty well too recently. So I think all signs point up for Mitchell. It's a little short for him. I got him at 30, um, or 33, I believe, but, uh, 25 is still an okay number. I would say for Mitchell this week, given how few, uh, other proven PGA tour winners there are in the field this week. Uh, and then lastly, Jake Knapp, I'm going to go to his player page because, he is a very interesting uh, prospect, a rookie on the PGA Tour. Uh, another thing that I just love about the player pages on Bet the Number, um, ball speed. Ball speed very crucial. It correlates with a driving distance, but driving distance in models can be very flawed. It's really only taking your average driving distance off of two holes per round, uh, the designated holes that they choose. Um, so if you hit a shot off target there... You know, you're that, that's it. You that's what you're going with. Ball speed is every shot um, from bet the number. So uh, you can see on this scale, it goes 160 to 185. He is literally off the charts of ball speed, um, averaging at 186. Tour average is 172. So he's got a ton of freakishly fast ball speed, which means that he's going to hit it a mile. Uh, he's not super accurate. He's also off the charts in the other way here, but on very wide fairways with really no penal rough. Um, that's not a concern for me this week. It wasn't a concern for him at the farmer's insurance where he finished T3. Um, that was kind of the first time I watched this guy play on TV and he has a really good swing. I'm just very impressed with him. Usually when you're a bomber that inversely, uh, means you can't gain as much on approach because you're hitting from closer to the hole. Maybe this is a little bit, um, skewed because if you're hitting from the rough you stand to gain more um but then you can look at uh, an infographic like this that shows you uh what is this person's strokes gain approach um from fairway versus rough and as you can see uh in the blue he's gaining quite a bit from the ranges that matter the most particularly uh 175 to 225 and when you're a bomber you're not going to have a lot of 200 plus approaches in so just a very sensible fit. Someone who hits it long, coming off back-to-back -to -back top 30s, uh, in very good approach form, hits it a mile, um, and seems to be a pretty good putter. So, jury may be out on Nap because um, it's early, but he definitely seems to me like he is the uh, favorite to be the rookie of the year through the first month of the season. 
Um, okay, so that's going to do it. Those are my bets. A tight card this week. Um, but looking forward to uh, the Mexico Open this week. It should be a week where the Bombers have an edge and the Long Iron Proximity guys also have an edge. So hoping that comes to fruition. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And best of luck with your Mexico Open bets. Mm-hmm.